2: of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Chad on Score North and scorenorth.com.
0: Have you heard from him at
3: all of why he's not here, and then do you have any indication of when you see him?
0: I have not. It's uh, voluntary when guys are here. You know, we've had outstanding uh, participation, uh, we almost I don't know, 95%. You know, there's a couple guys, one, I know one guy's missing today because his Daughter is graduating, but uh, for the most part, we've had outstanding comp- uh, participation, and you know, so we'll just see when the mini camp shows up. That was. Vikings coach Mike Zimmer talking about Daniil Hunter, who has been absent at the OTAs. Welcome into Mackey and Judd. You might notice somebody missing. That would be Phil Mackey. He will uh, join us later in the show. Some uh, duties called him away. But that's okay because his substitute is our good friend and the always full of information scoop master Channel 5 Eyewitness News and also Score North, Darren Doogie Wolfson. Dukes, what's going on, man? Good
3: morning, Judd. The player that Mike Zimmer was referring to there that is home for his daughter's graduation would be Patrick Peterson.
0: I was going to ask if this was home like a in kindergarten? Arizona.
3: Yeah, it's a kindergarten graduation yeah, I don't know or if it's preschool, this, kindergarten. He's
0: old enough, though, to have a kid who's a little bit like, I mean, because if this, was, a, if this <laughs> was like a five-year-old, get back to camp.
3: Well... And it might even be an elementary school. I don't know how old his daughter is. Yeah. But I'm told he's back in Arizona attending to some family business.
0: Nothing. of the emergency elk, he'll be back next week. Look at you. Look at you providing a scoop already, uh, a pre-scoop of the scoops, because I want to ask you about this. Now, Daniil Hunter is forfeiting, I believe, approximately $100,000 in workout bonuses by not going to the OTAs. But as we point out every time this year, around this year. OTAs are optional, so you do not have to go. So, like, if you don't go, uh, you can't be actively fined. Uh, In two weeks, I believe it is a week from this past Tuesday, the Vikings will host their three-day mandatory, and that's the keyword, mini camp at TCO Performance Center. Daniil Hunter wants a new contract. We've talked about that. You've given us the scoop on that for months now. Daniil Hunter is staying away from the thing, the participation activities that are not mandatory. We've known that. What do you think is going to take place in two weeks? Because I will set you up by saying this. If Daniil Hunter shows up, it's a clear sign that he's not happy, but he thinks there's been progress made and we're getting closer uh, to something that's going to satisfy him. If he does not show up, it will be the first truly tangible thing that we have indicating that if he does not have a new contract for training camp, he might hold out. What is your expectation?
3: So that mandatory minicamp is June 15th to 17th. If he doesn't show up, the fine money would be approximately $95,000, give or take $1,000 or two. So, I mean, that's a pretty significant amount of money. I don't care how much money you have, right? Mm-hmm. I am on record. On this podcast, on this show going back weeks, that Daniil Hunter is not a me, me, me type guy, doesn't enjoy the spotlight, likely isn't one that wants to pay the fine money. But is he the one driving this bus? Or is it more his representation? So how much progress? Is there tangible progress made in the next 12 days or so where there is an indication that the Vikings ultimately are going to give him a raise where it would make logical sense? For him to show up, or do talks go nowhere over the next 10 to 12 days? Thus, daniel ends up skipping mandatory mini camp. I don't know how I would handicap it at this point, Judd. I'm telling you, I'm led to believe he is not one that wants to pay the fine money. But if his agent is in his ear enough, long standing relationship with his agent Zeke convinces him enough hey, we're not making progress. You need to make a stand. You cannot be an Egan in mid-June. I guess I wouldn't be overly shocked. So I know I'm waffling there a little bit. Right. I think a lot of it depends on what takes place. Undoubtedly, there are going to be talks. It's not like Rob Brzezinski is doing nothing right now. He's working on a Brian O'Neill extension. Yeah, He's working on a Harrison Smith extension. Sure. They signed, officially as of this morning, a free agent cornerback, Ty Smith. Mm -hmm. They are still engaging on some other free agents, you know, the Geno Atkins of the world. So they're actively seeking other avenues to improve their team. But they know what they need to do internally, so undoubtedly there are going to be talks. Rob Brzezinski, Daniil Hunter's agent. How do those talks progress? Do they progress in the next 10 to 12 days? But I guess right now... I would not be overly shocked if on June 15th, Daniil Hunter is not on the field.
0: Do you buy that he and Zim are not
3: in communication? I think there's been some communication. Now, has it been a phone conversation, text messages? I don't. I'm led to believe that Daniil Hunter has communicated with more than Andre Patterson. At TCO Performance, would make
0: sense if you want to. Yes. And
3: it's not like he's communicating with just the assistant defensive line coach, and certainly teammates. Right? I mean, the defensive yeah. line has Michael Pierce is talking. But, I mean, the to Vikings me this, have known for quite the a while. Chat he wants. and all that. Yeah, they this don't. is not
0: new breaking information yeah. to them. I mean,
3: I'm more curious because I still believe Judd, they are going to give him a raise. Mm-hmm. I'm more curious to see what the happy medium is because I'm telling you that Joey Bosa contract. But that's an outlier. Right. Like, kudos to Bosa, his representation for getting the Chargers to bite on that money. And he's a good player. But, like, I think if you took a poll of most front offices, they would tell you they would prefer. Now, we need to see Daniel coming off a very major surgery. Yes. But I think most front offices. I'm trying to be objective here. Not wear my Minnesota sports hat here, right? I think yeah, most front offices off. would say, off. "Give Did me you... Danil." Right? Am I wrong on that? Like, I think most front
0: offices would say, "Give me Daniil Hunter over Joey Bosa." If both are 100 percent healthy and you know it, I think you're right. Not positive, but I think so. I, he he's an athletic freak. I mean, Hunter is a he's, an and so is Bosa, freak. and so is his brother. Like, yeah, maybe his so, brother,
3: if we included him in this yeah. equation, maybe Nick would be the one that front offices so, would take, just based on him being the youngest of of the three. Although Daniil is still not. Like, Daniil is still in the prime of his career. Remember how young he was when he was selected? Yep. What is Daniil now, 26?
1: 27? Maybe Declan can go to Google real quick. 26 will be 27 in October. Thank
3: you, Dex. Yeah. So, I mean, he's still very much in the prime of his career. I think they do. I, I do, Jed. I think they eventually take care of him but to what extent they are not giving him that Joey Bosa money well
0: and would it be would it be with the the promise of what they did for Dalvin which was i believe a day before the season opened against the packers last year now dalvin showed up for training camp and they base and they obviously didn't play preseason games and they essentially in the first part of training camp also didn't really use him so that he wouldn't get hurt But I wonder, I mean, that to to me is why two weeks from this past Tuesday is so important, because that's going to indicate where things stand. If he doesn't show up, that means he doesn't think that there's been, or or his camp, to your point, which is probably more accurate, doesn't think that there's been progress. Uh, And and so here's what intrigues me about this entire thing. Because, one, you're right. He's coming off neck surgery, herniated disc. It scares you. No question about it. It scares you in any sport, and it scares the pants off you in football. But that being said, this defense is largely remade. Like, there's a lot of different – this defense was terrible. And and they're getting guys back, and they clearly signed guys. And there's no question there was a priority from the head coach and the GM to remake this defense, Patrick Peterson – uh, just a lot of a lot of changes. But if Daniil Hunter holds out, if they don't do this and he says, Okay, that's fine. I ain't showing up. I ain't playing. I'm not and, and the one thing about, about his contract that's intriguing to me is there's only a year left of guaranteed money. So like if he gets hurt and they're like, Okay, sorry, dude, that's he's in trouble. So if he tells them, You don't pay me, I don't show up. All of what Zim has done to remake this defense, which is still okay, becomes just okay, not great. Because now you don't have a right end that you're that you're sure of, and you don't have a left end. So you tell me, where's the pressure from the quarterback going to come? So I do think that in some ways, despite the neck problem, Daniil Hunter has this team over a barrel. If he says, you don't pay me, I don't show. All of what you've done for the past few months, Um, If it doesn't go out the window, it certainly suffers a setback.
3: You add on top of that the pressure. Now, uh, there's pressure every year, but year eight for Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman, there are all sorts of expectations within the Will family that this will be a playoff team once again, that they are much closer to the 2019 team, Mm -hmm. not the 2020 team. So you think about the high expectations internally maybe higher than a lot of other years, right? You need Daniil. You think about in March, what they tried to do in free agency, Trey Hendrickson, Carl Lawson, trying to add a really good pass rusher. They swung and missed. They eventually add an interior defensive lineman in Dalvin Tomlinson. They draft a couple pass rushers, but the question marks are there. The pick kid, the Florida State kid. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if we can expect big things. Immediately, we think DJ Wanham maybe can take a step. But are you really relying <laughs> on DJ Wanham for 50-something snaps a year to really generate legitimate pressure, you know, on on 8 to 10 snaps a game? I mean, that's a lot to ask. So you're right. I mean, more so than any other player on defense, Judd. Yes. Like, Daniel Hunter is the MVP of that defense. Yes. With all due respect to Harrison Smith who's an excellent player who needs to be one day in the Vikings ring of honor or whatever they call it now. Yeah. The Vikings hall of fame. Yeah. Great, great player. Heck, maybe we can make a case that he belongs in Canton one day. That's how good Harrison Smith is. But right now, the way the roster is configured.
0: Oh, absolutely.
3: Daniil Hunter is the most important player. And Eric Hendricks, fantastic player. How he wasn't on that NFL top 100 list is beyond me, Mm -hmm. but it's Daniil Hunter. Nobody is
0: more important and Daniil Hunter, he is the, in my opinion, it might be the team, but certainly defensively, he is the linchpin. Mm-hmm. And and I do
3: think that if he, And that's sh- why they take care of him eventually. Yes, and 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 this I, regime takes care of guys when yeah. he's as important as they've any taken care of a lot of them. guys. No, they question are about going
0: to take care of him. And the ability that you could use him to play left end at this rate, right end. In the Saints playoff game, the interior, like, if you turned him into a defensive line Swiss army knife, I think he'd cause absolute havoc. Now that that is provided that he's healthy, but you also can't assume he's not going to be.
3: Um, That's why you want him in here, though.
0: Yeah, no, I know.
3: You're you're in minicamp or whatever. But when the pads come on three days into training camp, July 30th, July 31st, August 1st. Yep. When the pads come on, right? Like regardless of what you're hearing from the people down at Exos in Arizona where he's been training how he's in phenomenal shape, he's always in phenomenal yeah, and shape. And that's not
0: the point. Yeah, no, I'm with you.
3: Football on this. shape is a bit different. Yes. Hitting is a bit different. And that's that's what why you need they to see. want him here as soon as possible when the pads come on.
0: Yes. The wild. Who is uh who's back, who's gone, and and h- handicapped the prezi situation for me now because I realize a trade and or buyout is financially punitive and could be really, really bad. But I keep saying this because I've seen stories, Dugues, saying, well, Zach will, they'll talk to Zach and hopefully he can come back and play a third or fourth line role. And I keep saying this. Bill Guerin works so hard going into this season to rebuild the chemistry of this team that as much as it would hurt financially possibly on a cap that might be flat for five years, five years, nice job, National Hockey League, Um, having an unhappy Parisi who at some point in time is going to say, I'm playing pretty well. I'm not a top six guy. Is something this organization doesn't need to. So how, how would you handicap Parisi's future here and who's going to be back and who's going to be gone with this team?
3: Well, on Parisi, I'll continue to say I've been saying it for a while. He would welcome a change of scenery. This started a while ago. This isn't anything real new, you know. Him being a healthy scratch at the end of the regular season, him being a healthy scratch the first three games of the Vegas series. There's been there's been tension there for a while. There's been a sense from those who know Zach that Billy has been trying to get rid of him for a while. So yeah, yeah you're they right.
0: Traded the Islanders.
3: Yeah. Well, and Zach would have loved. That. Yeah,
0: I know. Go, go about JP's team.
3: You're right about the cap. It looks like it's going to be flat for five years. You would at least get some immediate cap relief. Yeah. I mean, it would, it would go up pretty high thereafter, right? Like, aren't the cap hits seven ish? You know, seven million dollars. Yeah. Pretty quick, Declan. Yeah. So, but you would have that roster opening, right? You may need a forward opening, right? So you'd have that. You'd have a little bit of immediate cap relief. So I just wonder if eventually it gets to that point where it's going to be really hard to trade him, even if his agency works really hard trying to find him a new home. I don't know if there's a logical trade match. Like, what sort of money would the Wild need to
0: take back? Right, and they would have to eat some of that. That's the And they issue. would have to
3: eat some of it where I just wonder if the end game, we have a ways to go to get to this point, but if the end game is eventually... The buyout does happen, and he gets what he wants. Now, are teams angling the sign and aging Zach Parisi? I mean, what sort of contract would he get on the open market? Maybe Lamarilla with the Islanders would would bite on a one-year minimum-type deal or tryout contract, but, like, what sort of deal would he get? But long way to get to that point, but I can just tell you, he absolutely... Would welcome a, a change of scenery.
0: And it looked like he was told by the GM and coach um, when, when he went in to talk to them for the last time. I think it was Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, it,
3: guys. Yeah, because I know some guys met with Billy and it would have right? been on Tuesday. Well, his
0: quote, Z- and Dean too. Yeah. Zach's quotes very much reflected a guy who's been told just sit tight. We'll do something like you don't say.
3: Yeah, but he's also savvy enough. Right.
0: Where he knows, but he's, gonna he's play, very careful with his public words. Right, but he's going to play the game as he sees fit. Zach plays by Zach's rules, which is fine. He's done that for a long time. And he's earned that right in some ways. Right, but I just think his quotes were very much the quotes of a guy who was told, we'll work on a divorce of some sort. Because he's like, I'm not going to get into what we said. And then and you're right, he's very savvy, and he's a smart dude. Um but I just, I can't believe he's back. And if he is back, it's going to be, I'm telling you, in January or so, he'll be playing decent. And he'll go go in and say, well, I, I should be top six. Um, expansion draft.
3: Well, let me stop you there. Yeah. I can promise you that that he feels this way. That yeah. if he had been in the lineup, games one through three, Nonsense. that that series absolutely could have been uh, turned out differently. <laughs> if he had been put on the power play. And this is the
0: problem, though. So, th- so what you're saying is why you got it sever ties because he was he was good because he was fresh because he always tries hard. He's just old. He is
3: like sure. Like, this is no indictment I get it. it's of him a as a foot player. Game, right? Yes. The speed
0: isn't there, and the speed of the game is incredible now. Yeah, I, I understand. Yes.
3: I, I get all that. Now the comeback to that is the playoffs. That's a different game. Yes, than regular season game number forty-seven or twenty-two. Right? That it boggles down a bit more. It that that his a... skill set could have been utilized. Yeah. Even if the regular season game has passed him by in some ways, he could have been utilized, certainly on the power play to some extent. And if you had used him in games one through three, maybe you end up winning game two or game three.
0: Yeah. The problem is in game four, so. He scored three points. He scored, I think, what, Dex, two goals and yeah. an assist. The problem is go back and watch game four. I believe it was the first Golden Knights goal of that game here. It's Parisi who is standing in cement in the neutral zone, as I believe it was Wa of the Golden Knights flies by him. That's the problem. So it's not that he can't contribute uh, scoring. It's that when the game is actually going back and forth, he can't execute his assignments all the time. And again, it's not... I just want to make this very clear. This is not a bash on him as a player. He's trying. But you're 36 and he has played his ass off for how long now that catches up. So expansion draft... Plus
3: with the injuries. Like there's an injury history, a recent injury history. Like his body is really beat up.
0: Yes. Expansion draft. um, Parisi and Suter would help him a lot if they would waive their no-move clauses. I don't think the Kraken would take either of those players I don't think so either but it's probably a pride thing as well uh and if they don't waive those clauses they have to be protected what's your guess on guys like it it would be what Zach and Ryan and Zuccarello and then the three defensemen who you would not expose
3: I don't think well specifically the first three you mentioned yeah I mean I don't see a scenario where Zuccarello, Suter, or Parisi would be selected and I think Bill has to, at some point, just to save face, because at some point he'll be asked the question, hey, did you go to those guys to ask them to, to waive their no-movement clause? Like He has to ask them at some point. I can tell you this much. It did not come up in the exit meetings earlier this week. Okay. I also, I'm just telling you, I don't think if, if it gets to that point where Billy asks them to waive their no-movement clauses... I don't think they're going to to say yes. I just don't. Right? I mean, we just laid out the tensions. Parisi Parisi probably won't. And Bill going back. Yeah, well. He'll be. And Ryan and Zach are close, right? Close enough. I think
0: Ryan would be afraid he might get claimed. He, He won't, but I think he might be afraid he might get claimed. I've always heard that he has no interest in departing.
3: That is accurate. Like, he wants to be in town. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're like,
0: Zach's like, screw it. I'll go play elsewhere.
3: I mean, don't forget, it was Craig Leopold when when Ryan got hurt in Dallas a couple years ago. It was Craig who drove him to the... Green Bay? To the third. Yeah. I mean, for hours, they were in the car together. Like, that just tells you how close the owner and Ryan Suter are, that I do think there's an eventual path to Ryan working in some capacity, maybe it's a Mike Madonna type role, Mm -hmm. but that Ryan works for the Wilds for many, many years post-playing career, that, yeah, he is not interested in uprooting the family and moving somewhere else, that he plans on
0: finishing his career here in Minnesota. Hey, you, uh, in our prep, uh, prep notes, sent me a note about the Wolves in the playoffs. What's that note? So the Wolves are actually sending their guys to playoff games. Well,
3: some like okay, so Jaden McDaniels is back home right now in Seattle. All right. Good for him. He's not leaving Seattle to go to Denver or Phoenix to just sit in the stands Phoenix to watch home a or the playoff Wolves. game. He's
0: home. Yeah. So the Seattle, the Seattle Sonics too. That's one
3: example. Anthony Edwards is under the Clutch Sports umbrella. Okay. Rich Paul and Company. And so, you know, Rich has LeBron and Anthony Davis, pretty much the entire Lakers roster. Anthony just threw his agency is going to end up, who knows, maybe he'll be there tonight for Lakers-Suns game six. And if it's not a Lakers game, there'll be some other game. Yeah. Right? So Anthony will eventually, but just on his agency's dime, the Wolves don't need to facilitate, you know, that. Right. Right? So, yeah. So Chris Haynes of Yahoo had the note. I think it was game three of the lakers Suns series is that the first game in la of that series yeah it must have been mm-hmm. that the wolves sent jalen noel and d'angelo russell like d'angelo russell's been in the playoffs wait and he went well to me he's I genius should, from this you know standpoint from me, dog <laughs> well no he's smart from this standpoint devin booker is his guy right <laughs> He wanted to go see Devin (laughs) play for Phoenix. If you get the Wolves to foot the bill for that expensive ticket, again, I don't care how much money you have, genius to me if you're D'Angelo Russell. You know what? Genius.
0: With the Wolves' luck, Booker probably told D'Lo, get my guy Cat here. I need Cat here. (laughs) And the next thing we know, Cat's going to demand a trade to the Suns. (laughs) But there's,
3: I guess there's no negative. But what's the positive? Like, seriously, D'Angelo Russell needs to sit in the stands. Yeah. To watch a Lakers-Suns <laughs> game when Staples Center is maybe half full? I don't get that. I don't really understand. I, I sort of
0: get the young players who like maybe haven't been to the playoffs Even ever, Jaylen but Noelle I wouldn't Noel, be really? doing Jalen Noel no, benefiting
3: that much from sitting you in the what? stands?
0: Send, if you're going to send anyone, send the poor people who have had season tickets to this woebegone franchise since day one. Send them to a playoff game and say, this is what it's like. That would All be, expenses yeah. paid to your seats to these poor people that plop down their hard-earned cash to watch years of Drek at Target Center. I'll
3: tell you what, though, like watching the other night the Denver Portland game. Remember, it wasn't that long ago that Denver and the Wolves were playing that play-in
0: game. I was there, dudes. It was great. Yeah,
3: really. You think about I Denver's think the eight through ten now since now then is
0: based on that game. Yeah, well, because that was so much fun.
3: That was. That was absolutely a ton of fun. And you could have comparable scenarios, maybe not exactly the last game of the regular season, winner to the playoffs, loser out. But you know, we can debate the the merits of, of the play in tournament, but I'll just tell you this much. I mean, the playing tournament isn't going anywhere. It'll be back yeah. next year. I and care. I mean that should be a logical goal for the Wolves. I mean, if you can't be top six in the West, yep. find a way to be the seven, eight, nine, or ten, right? Like take the path San Antonio or Memphis took. Like that like you need to make that step. Next year, but I'll just tell you, like watching Denver Portland, the show that Damian Lillard put on the other night. Yep, any number of other playoff games. Man, am I yearning for for that to return here? Like just you know how long
0: it's been, Dukes. Ugh. Dukes, how old were you the last time? Not the, the playoff parents a couple of years back with Tibbs, but the last time that they when they made that actual playoff run,
3: I was in my partying prime, right? I mean, I was still finger painting, but. Uh, certainly not maturity prime, but parting prime. I was 24. Yeah, and, do, and, and you know, and I was working at the fan. Seven. I mean, I was there at every game covering for for the fan back then. So I mean, I was I Remember was at well. every you know. I'll never forget game 7 in Sacramento, the oh, playoff yeah. series I against went to one of the those Lakers. Games was
0: great, the atmosphere was so. I was fun. talking to
3: Troy Hudson the other day. We went down memory yes. lane. Like Troy was really good that series. Remember Sam Cassell went down with the injury. Gary Trent, senior to this day, mm-hmm. doesn't mean he's right, but to this day, he believes. 17 years later he believes that if Sam Cassell doesn't get hurt that they would have won the championship that they would have won that Western Conference final beat series
0: the against
3: the Lakers then gone yeah. on to beat the Pistons well, in the the Pistons finals. they could have beat. The Lakers I'm not that. So sure Pistons about. Pistons seemed pretty good though. But, but,
0: but I mean I'm just you telling you, Gary Gary them, yeah. firmly believes
3: if they had All stayed right. healthy there were some other injuries too. I mean uh, Hudson came back but he was hurt for for a stretch that he just he believes if they had maintained full health that they would have they would have won the championship. And then imagine the trajectory of the franchise.
0: I was gonna say, then things are a little different.
3: You know, how different are things if, Flip, if doesn't they had get hoisted fired then for, for the, the O'Brien bad trophy start. then?
0: If they win if they win the championship, then Flip doesn't get fired a few years after for the bad start. Because if you've got a championship, you don't blow Flip out, which they shouldn't have done in the first place.
3: And I mean, does KG get to the point of not necessarily demanding a trade, but Oh, I got a question you know, from that making too. it known to to some level, hey, Maybe it's time for me to move on. Yeah, And obviously it worked out well for KG, yes. right? Yes. I mean, that's cemented his overall top, we can debate this, but top 40-ish player of all time, top 35, top 30 player of all time once you win that championship, the one he won in Boston.
0: Celtics sweeping changes. Uh, Stevens kicks himself upstairs. Danny Ainge retires. They're going to attempt to get a new coach, but obviously changes in the infrastructure in Boston. Do you think KG is going to get himself a role there because it, it seems like it might. the Wolves might be an option once the change has taken place, but that's going to be a transition. Do you think that KG potentially ends up with some type of job with the Celtics?
3: I'll tell you this much. Chauncey Billups' name is going to come up for the head coaching job. I there. remember Chauncey interviewed man. before yes. Gerson
0: Rosas yes.
3: got the Pobo job here, the president of operations. Chauncey came in for an interview. Pobo's a great I love, term. I
1: love the term Pobo. Yeah, I'm with Declan. <laughs> you know, that's the
3: legendary story where... I'm the Calvin one. Booth and Chauncey Bellups had been using the, the same people to help prep them for that interview. Like, you go through interview <laughs> training when you interview it's like a for co- a job of that magnitude. <laughs> yeah. And so their bullet points were, like, exactly the same, like, verbatim. Oh, my God. Like, it was just, it was a red flag that how did Chauncey and Calvin... Yeah. And Calvin, by the way, should be somebody's president of operations. Calvin Booth is... Say Pobo. Is is a genius. Pobo. I like Pobo. He absolutely should be a Pobo. I love Calvin. And Chauncey is, is a great basketball mind. And mm-hmm. and I think whether it's Boston now or a year or two from now, you know, whatever Chauncey wants to do, head coach or but if, if he, he, he desires job, to be, to in, be in the front office. Well, so what I'm saying is if Chauncey gets that job, and I'm not making any guarantees, they're going to go through a process. doesn't mean Chauncey's getting that job. But if he gets that job in Boston – that's one of KG's guys, right? So does that then put the wheels in motion? As far as I know, KG and Brad Stevens, the new president of operations, there's there's no relationship there. But Mike Zarin, assistant general manager, number two in command, a guy, by the way, that Tom Thibodeau wanted to bring here instead of Scott Layden. So Mike Zarin, Boston's number two, Interesting. was Tibbs' guy. So Zarin was there when Tibbs was an assistant coach Uh under Doc Rivers. So Tibbs and Zarin got real close, but Zarin is a Boston native. He wasn't leaving the Celtics, and so you know Tibbs had to go to choice two or choice three, brought in Scott Layden as his general manager. But KG and Zarin have some sort of relationship. So, yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. I don't have any deep insight as to, like, it's going to happen. But sure, I mean, just based on connecting some – some dots, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily rule that out. I think KG does want to be involved with some franchise. Choice number one would be here. I do think at some point, A Rod and Lori do approach him, but like, to to what capacity, extent? Like Charlie Walters had the note in his Sunday column. Yeah, that was But KG having all this influence on on front office decisions that would surprise me. I don't necessarily foresee that happening. Final scoops, sir. What else is in the scoop? Nope. Well, I had a lengthy chat about 30 minutes worth with John Anderson, the longtime Gophers baseball coach, 40 years, yeah. a Minnesota baseball icon. And at this point, so I don't know if this is out there or not, mini scoop, whatever. He's got a multi-year contract offer on the table. So if John Anderson today wants to sign that contract, mm-hmm. he can secure his term He can be back for year forty-one and presumably at least year forty-two as Gophers baseball coach. The issue is he told me is is the language in the contract. So he will not sign that current contract that's on the table. So the ball is now back in Mark Coyle's court. Gophers athletic director will he change the language that John desires? So still an interesting situation. Now in the same breath, I should tell you that John is hopeful he'll be back he's operating right now as if he'll be back he actually has a pretty good recruiting class coming and he's got a kid from the state of colorado alec willis he's been throwing at 96 97 this prep season stanford wanted him like this is a good get for the gopher baseball program john's fear is that the way this kid is throwing right now that some major league he team is going to draft sign. him yeah and he'll sign yep that if he's offered seven figures if he goes in the top three rounds, gets offered seven figures in terms of a signing bonus that John could lose this recruit. Like, when do you hear about the Gopher baseball team losing a recruit to the Major League Baseball draft? So John, unsolicited, brought up that possibility. I did bring the kid up specifically because I'd heard good things, Mm -hmm. but he's the one who then took it down the path of, you know, uh, we could lose him to the Major League Baseball draft. But uh, what I'm getting at is John is operating – and and the way he was talking about this 2021 recruiting class, I mean, this year was a disaster. COVID shut down, last place in the Big Ten. Yeah, they were awful. A lot of injuries. And, I mean, they had a bunch of seniors, redshirt seniors. not like it was a young roster, but they just, they stunk. But he's operating as if he'll be back. But he brought up another issue. Like, he told me, it's like he's a GM. He even brought this up, Judd. This was fascinating to me, that he feels like he hasn't had these conversations yet. But he knows of other coaches that have that. You call another coach. Let's say John Anderson calls the coach in Michigan. Maybe not. Maybe not within the conference. Calls the coach at Kansas. Says, "Hey, I've got this shortstop on my roster, but I've got a shortstop above him. Good player. He would help you. What if you end up with him? And then is there a pitcher on your like almost like a trade? Weird. John Anderson brought that up verbatim. That he can he can see scenarios where where. Where programs end up trading guys. But with the portal, <laughs> it's free agency. Yeah, like it's that's it's really interesting. professional sports. Yes, it is. It really is. And and John said, mm-hmm. you know, like you can call him gopher's baseball coach, but he goes, I'm like a general manager. Wow. I'm I'm trying to assemble the roster. It's not as much the coaching. It's right. it's it's all that stuff. You know, and there's still some scholarship limitations. There's ways that some other schools, based on on grad transfers, bringing some guys in, like Michigan specifically, where they have bigger rosters. They're able to have more guys on the roster. John can't have that, so there's some frustration there that there are roster limitations that he deals with at Minnesota, that that some colleagues in the Big Ten, some of the really good programs, Nebraska, Michigan, some others, that they don't have to deal with. But all that being said, Mm -hmm. John wants to keep going at 66 years old. Who's so hopeful. But I'm just saying, it's a situation, I've said this for a few weeks, I'll continue to say it, it's it's a situation worth monitoring whether John Anderson indeed will be back for a 41st year as Gophers baseball coach.
0: Great stuff, sir. Thanks, Dukes. And then on the Twins. Well, the Twins are the Twins. That, yep. we'll, we'll get to I mean, them. they're prepared. We'll get I mean, to them on Tuesday. They have
3: their scouts out. Yeah. It's a very logical you know thinking tease front this, office. He's this for Tuesday school. Yeah, it's a very logical thinking front office. Uh, they're not delusional. They are going to start selling if if good offers come in even sooner than right. July 10th or July 15th. I think they're going to strike that they realize, especially with all the injuries, the injuries continue to mount up. Even though Maeda making good progress, Buxton making good progress. I think maybe next week mm-hmm. for Buxton's return to the lineup. So if some guys are are making legit progress. They know what they're dealing with. That that it's just it's too many teams to climb over at this point. That they would need to play the rest of the season at a 95-win pace. Yeah, that's not happening. It's just kidding. not happening. When I say 95-win pace, just to get back to, to being in, like, real contention mode, it's just not realistic. Mm-hmm. So I'm just telling you, they are prepared to strike when the offers start to come in, especially on their pending free agents. Awesome stuff, man. Okay.
2: okay. See Thanks, you boys. Dudes. The Meadows at Mystic Lake has modified its golf policies to follow the COVID-19 public health recommendations and welcomes you to play this award-winning public golf course. It offers a unique, challenging, and scenic golf experience. The Meadows at Mystic Lake is a full-service
3: golfing destination, enhanced by nearby food and entertainment, including the Meadows Bar and Grill and Mystic Lake Casino Hotel. It's never too early to book a tee time or shop the pro shop. Stop in or visit GolfTheMeadows.com. That's GolfTheMeadows.com. Owned and operated by Shakopee
1: Mdewakanton Sioux Community.
2: But lately, it's really for, for much of the year this year, it's, it's been, uh, you know, a health report every day and uh, talking through who can do what um, and piecing it together and finding a way. So, yeah, there, there is a lot of that. It, that's just as important, if not, the, you know, one of the more important parts of of what we do. And normally we don't have to do it uh, to this extent. Normally, it doesn't take most of the day and and most of everybody's energy. Oh hi guys! Oh hey, I'm back. Thanks Stuff for Hey, it's Phil Mackey from Score hey, North. Hey everybody. hey everybody, it's Phil Mackey here.
1: Hey, six hey, everybody. let's A- talk six. about.
2: <laughs> we sure we sure missed you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't in. miss you guys. Dookie I didn't miss hi. you guys at all, but I missed Federated. Federated Insurance is here yeah, to uh, help cool. us unpack what's happening with the Minnesota Twins right now. Federated provides insurance not for your injured roster and not for your underperforming, quote unquote, star players in their prime. But they can help your business with risk management tools, protection, peace of mind. Find a full list of industries Federated protects at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right, Judd. Rocco Baldelli lamenting the long list of injuries the Twins have right now. Um, I saw a couple different beat writers. This is definitely a theme right now. The Twins are trying to push this a little bit to say, I know this has been a bad season, but look at all the injuries. What percentage of the pie chart of blame would you would you give injuries for the Twins? So I'm not going to dismiss it because they definitely have
0: had a lot of guys out and uh, it's been a problem. And when Buxton is out, unfortunately, it's not surprising, but it definitely impedes you. That being said, one of my starting points of the problem with this team is in the bullpen, where last time I checked until Thielbar left the game last night and it's Caleb Theobar, who left with a groin injury, uh, they've, you know, a healthy, just stinks. Uh,
2: Robles, Shoemaker's been healthy. Robles. Hap's, Hap's been healthy. High
0: wire act. And, you know, he can strike guys out, but he he also can cause you heart palpitations. So if I was to do a pie chart of blame, I would say just off the top of my head that I would give, uh, you know, 10%, 10% or so. But I think that there's so much blame to go around um, from the bottom on up, up to the very top chair for how this team was constructed and the swings and misses that we're clearly seeing that I would be hard-pressed to pass along the Twins PR spin, which I'm sure is, you know, you can't lose this guy, the, the old Sid line. You can't lose Buxton, and you can't lose Kepler, and you can't lose, well, you've got, other problems too, so I would seriously say about ten percent because i I think to go there is a is a poor excuse from which you're not learning what you should from what has been so far a disaster two thousand twenty
2: one yeah i mean i mean teams suffer injuries it's it's certainly a factor, obviously it's a factor Byron Buxton being out is a huge yeah. huge loss because he was the best player in baseball when he went down so if if they were just fully healthy, let me see what's their record twenty two and thirty three i mean I'm just spitballing this, but they wouldn't be above 500 if they were fully healthy. Like, look look at the guys who've been. And by the way, like, there's no such thing as a baseball player. Well, there there are some, but like, you're not just fully healthy all the time, right? You're gonna, you know, we heard about this Michael Pineda, some forearm soreness. Well, like, I mean, guys, he's he's, he's a pitcher. You're gonna throw 200 innings in a year. Arms get sore. There's a difference. Pitchers will tell you there's a difference between being hurt or uncomfortable and being injured, uh-huh. right? And so uh-huh. some of the stuff is like, well, guy followed the ball off his foot and now he's a sore foot or has a mild strain of some kind. Like baseball teams for a hundred plus years have been riddled with players up and down the lineup that are just playing through things, right? Joe Maurer played through things his entire career. Back oh, no, he was soft. Knees, he was, so, right? soft.
1: He was hitting, <laughs> so soft. He was hitting softball bombs yesterday, pulling the ball. He he, he, come on, Joe, you could have done this for us.
2: So I want to separate, like, injuries <laughs> yeah. from 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 guys who've been a little bit nicked up, maybe, right? And let's kind of go through it, right? Jorge Polanco has been healthy enough. He's underperforming. Josh Donaldson? Yeah, like, it sounded pretty bad initially. Guy popped his hamstring the second pitch of the season or whatever it was, right? Um, but he's played 43 games, 177 plate appearances, underperforming. Max Kepler's been a little bit injured, Buxton, so I'll definitely give you some of those. Miguel Sano missed a little time, but for the most part, he's fine. He's played 40 games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's terrible. He's been terrible, right? Um, so on the pitching side, you nailed it. I mean, really, it's it's a Colomay, disaster, healthy, shoemaker, hap. Healthy, healthy disaster. Maeda, I don't know, man. Did they, you know, does do you get a little soreness after you start the season, after nine starts with a 5 ERA, or did the, did the soreness lead to a 5 ERA? We don't really know. So I would say about, I'd say 20%. I'll give it more than you. Okay. I'll say 20% injuries, but let's not use injuries as the, well, see, look. No, there's there's a lot of other things happening here that are, that are causing the twins to be 11 games below 500. So I'm not just going to fall for the look how hurt they are now. Excuse,
0: which is a great one. Man games missed, right? That's the the old term that they used in hockey for years, man games. We've missed. Look at all the man games. I, I would equate the twins to to this. If the twins were a car, if the twins were a, were a car that you took into the shop and you're like, this car isn't, something's wrong. It's not running right. It's not. And they lifted up the hood of the twins car. I think the first thing among the first things they would identify is the bullpen gear. The bullpen gear is a mess here. And the reality is the bullpen is, is a gross misjudgment by people that make the decisions on who is in that bullpen far more than, well, yeah, but Kepler is hurt too. And yes, that's a problem. But when you, but we've talked on this show, Phil, going back to, the uh, the old show, we've talked how many times, and I think I would trace it back to when Kansas City got good for a brief time period there, to the importance of arms in the bullpen. That this is no, you know, you don't put, well, this guy's okay, he uh, used to start, now he's going to be in my bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, the Royals sort of paved the way, I think, for showing you essentially need three arms of guys that can that can bring it. I mean, throw absolute gas and are good. And this club falls short completely like Taylor Rogers is rebounded a little bit, but he's still not great. Colum a is a, I, how he has not been DFA is beyond me. Robles will look good against one batter and then terrible against two. So the misjudgment of this bullpen and the hubris that the twins have, and it is hubris of, Hey, this guy struggled with the angels, but we see something that they didn't. Right. No. Uh, it it hasn't worked. It simply yeah. has not worked. And your bullpen right now is an old school nineteen nineties. Hey, let's slap this guy out there, and it has gone woefully wrong. Yeah.
2: So the, the the other thing too, I I don't know. Sometimes we've talked about this before on the show where we on our show and at Score North, I think there's a perception that we're negative or that we're we're just being antagonistic, right? I mean, I honest to God's truth, I don't know if 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 we've just gone that soft in this market you and i have opinions declan has opinions and sometimes they're are, we want these teams to win championships and so i'm not going to i'm not going to sit here after an 0 and 18 playoff run in which they're now underperforming again and coddle them they don't deserve to be coddled they don't deserve to have excuses thrown on them even if there are some justifiable like injury concerns yes does that does that mean that they would have been a forty win team right now, just steamrolling through the American League if they were fully healthy? No, like there's a bunch of dudes underperforming, and I will admit my annoyance with the Twins when they're down, you know, five runs again to the Orioles last night is a hundred times more heightened because they are zero eighteen since two thousand four in the playoffs. So just like when I fire off tweets, when I'm you know when my blood pressure is boiling on this show, all of it is because in large part, they haven't won a playoff game in 18 tries, which is a North American sports futility record, okay? And so whenever I see people, media fans, trying to, well, but like, well, but, you know, you throw 2020 out because it was a COVID year, or look at the injuries (laughs) over here, or you're being too hard on Miguel Sano. No, you guys aren't being hard enough on a franchise that hasn't won a playoff game in 18 tries in a coin flip sport. And so, you know, you and I were getting some pushback last night, and I saw Declan jumped into one of the Twitter phrase, too. That I had to. Why, why are you guys? You guys are being overly critical of Miguel Sano, who, by the way, is hitting one fifty seven.
0: Yeah, with six
2: fifty two OPS in his prime right now, and he was garbage last year too. And he makes ten million dollars, and he was supposed to be one of the center points of this franchise, and he's having a, just an atrocious season, except for a ten, a, a one good game and like a a three-home run game and a 10-day hot stretch, right? A, we're being too hard on Sano, and B, there are a bunch of other problems that we need to devote more attention to. So, A, are we being too hard on Miguel Sano, and B, who are three non-Miguel Sano players that deserve the criticism to be spread around more, Judd? Donaldson, Kepler, Polanco.
0: Can I continue? Shoemaker, Hap. Um, I don't
2: criticize Shoemaker. It's the scout that signed you. Theory with Shoemaker, it
0: but. is. But then, but then he does his Zoom post game call and says it's just bad luck. I, I mean, got Dubnick disease. So, sorry, Sandy Koufax didn't mean to imply that you had a horse bleep game. Um, like the, going through the list <laughs> is easy. Are we too hard on Sano? So All right, I'm. I'm going to try and give again. I don't want to be. Condescending, Judd, but I'm going to come off that way. But I'm going to give, try and give a tutorial on the perfect parallel of why we are not too hard on know and why the weird defense of him from some in this town is actually now bizarre.
2: All right, take the glass. Take the glasses off. Okay, take, take the glasses off. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Sports
0: dad talking to you. Yes, but I'm serious. Like, <laughs> if you listen, if you defend Miguel, I'm going to give. I'm going to tell you exactly why, and I would like you to. Process this fully. So don't lash back. Don't get mad. Take a deep breath and listen. The perfect parallel to draw here is Byron Buxton, okay? Byron Buxton, unfortunately for all of us as baseball fans, can't stay healthy. He can't. I don't know why. I don't know if it's something about how his body is constructed by the good Lord or a higher power. I don't know why, but he can't. But you know what we don't do? And you know what they would do in some towns? Rip him up and down. He would get ripped for not staying healthy. He would. He would. If this were Boston, they would be saying, why can't he do that? Byron, Byron Buxton, you suck. They would. And we don't do that. Buxton, and you, it, drink, you drink wine. And colas. wine. Colas, a bunch of another bottles and James. Byron, Boston, I like to call him. So. <laughs> Boston. <laughs> that's a good one. So. The point being is we don't rip him because he's a magnificent talent who's turned himself into a really good player and works extremely and has worked extremely hard and appears to be beset by really bad luck. Sometimes he gets ripped, but we're a logical show. We're a show that parcels out blame where it belongs. And and if you are unfortunate enough that you get hurt a lot, yeah, we'll talk about you. But Buxton and Maurer now have become similar in the fact that that Joe got hurt a lot. Now it was weird with him because he got ripped by the public. Still don't know why. But anyway, Miguel Sano is a self-made bust. That's why we're mad. He is contributing every day. And the more that people out there uh put out the the analytics trying to show oh you don't understand the underlying statistics, say Miguel Sano is Joe DiMaggio, Babe Ruth, and Jimmy Fox. Okay. What you what you're doing is you're enabling him to be a bust, and Miguel Sano can't adjust. Miguel Sano has to go to Nelson Cruz's house, which means he he does care, but he has to go to Nelson Cruz's garage before a game to get a tutorial on what he's doing wrong, and eventually, because this is the big leagues team, adjusts to what he did, and then he is lost again. So no, we are not too hard on Sano, and I don't understand the. The people out there defending him and constantly pounding the drum about how great he is are enabling the failure. Why would you do that? Why are you doing that? What is your point? You are, and it, basically what you're saying is Miguel Sano is more important than the team. And if you're a Twins fan, that really confuses me. <laughs> so, again, from sports dad to you, the the difference is Miguel Sano every day is going about being a bust through, unfortunately, a lot of things he's doing wrong. And he deserves to be criticized for that. Just like he deserves to be, uh, um, at times, I think, praised for the fact that he is not nearly as lousy a first baseman as I thought he was going to be. But the reality right now is Miguel Sano is a better defensive player than an offensive player. And that is a frightening thing to say.
2: I got a few Social media messages like this yesterday because i i uh, i i i've tweeted out a lot about Miguel Sano's bad numbers this year and since 2018. And uh, somebody went back and said he went and searched and said Mackie tweets about Max Kepler in 2021 two. Mackie tweets about Miguel Sano in 2021 twenty six. Um. Is there something else that might be different about Miguel Sano insinuating are, is Mackie and our people ripping Miguel Sano more because he's non-white? That's, that's what he means with this tweet, huh? which is, I mean, that's absurd for one. Uh, but two, on Kepler, of course he deserves criticism. Of course he does. But the criticism of Miguel Sano isn't just for his bad performance in the first three weeks of this year. It's essentially a prime of his career achievement award. Since the beginning of 2018, Max Kepler has racked up nine wins above replacement. Miguel Sano, three. Three wins above a replacement-level player since the beginning of 2018. And that includes an amazing 2019 four-month run in which he was helping to carry the Twins' offense, which nobody disputes, by the way. He goes through stretches, and that was the longest stretch of his career, by the way. Where he can carry this offense. But for the most part, he has been he was the number four prospect in the world five years ago, according to MLB.com. So part of this is expectations. Kepler was expected to be a really good player. And I think he cracked like the top 40 one time, like baseball America. Like he was like the 30th or 40th best prospect in baseball America. But he wasn't talked about from age 18. And by talked about, I don't mean fans and media as much. I mean scouting services. Baseball America, MLB.com's pipeline, the Jonathan Mails, like the smart people that are evaluating these players on a regular basis, that Miguel Sano can be a generational talent for the Twins and for Major League Baseball. Whether that was fair or not, obviously we can debate that. But some of the criticism, if not most of it, is run through that prism, right? Well, Why don't you criticize Jake Cave? He's garbage because he's a fourth outfielder. He was never supposed to be a centerpiece of the franchise, right? Why don't you criticize Polanco? Well, okay, yeah, I mean he deserves criticism too, but Polanco was never touted as centerpiece of the franchise by the team, by scouting services, etc. And so when the when there's that big of a gap between reality and expectations, and you make ten plus million dollars, listen. When Sano signed the contract, Doogie reminded me of this on on Twitter this morning. When he signed the contract, he talked about wanting to play here the rest of his career and want like. What he did in 2019, he wants to carry that over and have it be the norm. He was, you know, he was excited to have turned a new corner in his career, and here we sit. And so, why why was Joe Mauer open season for basically ten years, half of which he was a batting champion, right? Who just didn't hit enough home runs. Um, and and why is Miguel Sano off limits, right? And does that mean that we also shouldn't be criticizing other players? Sure, but I'm not going to tee off on Matt Shoemaker. <laughs> who is just a throwaway, bottom-of-the-rotation starter. What about Josh Donaldson? Well, Josh Donaldson, you must be a racist. You're criticizing Miguel Sano, not not Josh Donaldson. Okay, Donaldson, definitely, with injuries and performance, has not lived up to that contract 100%. But again, Josh Donaldson, when he was in his prime, was an American League Most Valuable Player. He maxed out the peak of his career as one of the best players in baseball for like four or five years. The Twins signed him. And it was risky when he was old. And so, like, yeah, does Josh Donaldson probably deserve more criticism on this show? Yes, I will say yes. He definitely does. But he's still, like, Josh Donaldson still is producing um, a 117 OPS plus, which is above average for this season. Uh, Well, it's above average for any season when you have a 117 OPS plus. But, like, his OPS plus is above average. Miguel Sano's is well below average. So, yeah, Donaldson's struggling but he maxed out the peak of his career. He's adjusting now that he went through a slump, and he's still pretty darn good defensively at a pretty premium position third base. He deserves some criticism, but he hasn't been the disaster that Miguel Sanoa has been. So I don't know. End of my rant here. But um, it just kind of, I guess it frustrates me. It frustrates me that we settle for excuses and good, not great for a team that has been Now 17 years without a postseason game victory. Not a series victory, a a win in a postseason game. It drives me nuts.
0: And I feel, and this is the worst part about my Sano feeling now, I feel empathy for him. Him at the plate is hard to watch. It is such a colossal disaster for the most part. And yes, I know. If he hits a ball, it can go a long way potentially. But when you see him flailing now and slamming his helmet down in the frustration, that's not fun. I feel bad for him. But my take is not to rip him now. My take is to say he's damn near unplayable. Like there, And there are certain guys, look, Donaldson, to me, yes, the contract looks bad now, and and he's underachieving, in my opinion, by a lot. But that being said, he's not unplayable. Miguel Sano is unplayable. Alex Colome should be DFA'd. He should not be... I, he, and the problem with Miguel is, I don't know what you do now. Like, do you spot him in there? Do you platoon him? Because his splits are sort of weird. It's not like he, he's got one clear-defined, you know, he, he can hit south southpaws or something. So... I I don't know what you do, but the fact is, if anybody, Snow fan or not, doesn't think that the Twins, one, aren't concerned, and two, trying to find a way to solve this, you're absolutely crazy. Now, externally, they're not going to talk about that, and I get that. But internally, this has to be a major discussion point now. Because you can't, if you're going to come back in, if we have baseball in 2022, if you're going to come back and try and be successful, which, by the way, this team should at least be competitive, I would hope, next season, you can't throw him out there at first base on a daily basis, given the last two years. And I'm not going to excuse 2020. It was still a 60-game sample size um, and then into the playoffs, that was largely a bust. So I'm sorry. I can't just be like, well, 2020 d- does not count. Yes, it does. And if you put 2020 on 2021, it becomes e- even more concerning. Um, but I actually, and this is the worst place to be in, in my opinion, when it comes to an athlete, I actually feel bad for him. Like I've, I, I'm past the point of, oh, he sucks. He's not good. I now almost cover my eyes during his at-bats. Because it's so tough to watch a guy who is that lost. I feel compassion for him. And that's about, that's about as condescending as you can possibly be towards a guy who plays a sport.
2: The four players. So you and I have been doing a show for seven years. And, uh, and I did four years uh, daily show with Patrick Royce, Royce and Mackey. So, I, so it's 11 years just blabbing daily about Minnesota sports. And the four players that I have criticized the most and have gotten the most blowback from fans while criticizing them, like you're being unfair or you're wrong or uh, you got to give a you got to give a guy a chance. He's still young or whatever it is. Right. Kirk Cousins is on that list for sure. And the jury's still out on that jury's still out. We'll see. He's in his prime. He's got a he's got an upgraded offensive line. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Andrew Wiggins. Delman Young, way back in the day, like <laughs> ten years ago, um, and Miguel Sano. Like people, like you're wrong. You're being too hard, and it's like, I don't know. Watch the games. Like, is it? Like, are we? Are, and not to mention, Andrew Wiggins was, was a max player. Okay, he was a max player. Yes. He's going to be able to feed generations of kids and grandkids. He's going to be fine in life. Yep. He can. He can take a couple of bloviating idiots on microphones, wondering and poking at him and asking. What's the deal, dude? You gonna <laughs> you gonna play better? Mm-hmm. Um, Delman Young was a number one overall pick. The Twins traded their best pitching prospect, who also was kind of a bust, in Matt Garza for him, and he put together the one season that like, he was a shining example in 2010. And it's like, where are you? Can we get it again? Right? Can we do you know instead of going to the bars every night? Like, can we That's can dramatic. we can we hone in on our craft a little bit here? And then with Sano. Um, I think he's put in a lot more work the last couple of years, but obviously the output has not shown up on the field. So, so I don't know. So
0: what's the cause though of fans to put, to eventually put player before a team? This is what confuses me. Like if you're a twins fan, you want, the twins, you defend- you want, you want defending- the twins to win. And why are you defending, but why are you defending one guy? <laughs> it's, like, it, super it's, it it's super weird. It doesn't make sense. You're a twins fan. Like, like your, your business card would say twins
1: fan, not Sano Daily. It's the same thing with the Wild and Zach Parise this playoff season. Oh, wasn't it so great seeing Zach score a goal? I, there's like six things I want to see before Zach Parise tips a slap shot on the power play coming back from being scratched for three weeks. I want to see this team win. I want to see this team. I want to see Kaprizov show up. I want to see Fiala show up. I want to see if Cam Talbot's legit. I don't give a bleep that Zach Parise is scoring a power play goal and he's coming back from scratch. I care about the team's success. Not what Zach's doing enough feel good story. That is come on, get out of here with that. BS. Well, unless
2: Zach is deemed to be able to help the team, right? Like yeah, but you're like saying yeah. the team that you care about the team over a player. And sometimes we get it backwards here. It's weird. It is weird. Yeah. But like so, is it trying to
0: justify that the player is going to be okay cuz he's going to save the team? Like I'm trying to go through what the thought process is. Like I I feel like Vikings fans defend cousins because the Vikings signed him to a huge contract, and said that he could win a Super Bowl, and fans are like, "Well, you'll see, he will." And it's like, I don't think so, folks. But I'm just I'm trying to work this backwards as far as why why there is a faction, and it's a faction. It's not the whole thing. It's not even close. But why there is a faction of each fan base that falls in love with certain players, and and then begins to defend that player way more than the team would. Like, do you if if you had a drink with Falvey right now? Do you think he'd be like, you guys are too hard on Miguel? He'd say, hell no. I I don't know. Honestly, I'd say, hell no. I think privately he'd say, no, he's a major disappointment. We'd like to trade him.
2: Yeah, but sometimes I think you know how it works. I mean, you covered the Vikings beat for a long time. I covered the Twins beat. What happens is, especially when you're a beat writer, for instance, you've got, you're plugged in. Ideally, you'd be plugged in, right? So your job is to be plugged in as a beat writer. Um, and, And oftentimes you'll get information off the record from front office people or other people with the team where you sort of get the green light on behalf of the team to criticize players in a certain way, right? If they, if the team feels like they
0: might even give you information,
2: right? If the team feels like I'm trying to think of an example from the, from the twin, like when I covered the twins beat, like when there was frustration, Um, I can't think of a a specific player, I guess, but Hey, this guy has just not been, you know putting in the work or you know this guy is kind of a pain in the ass behind the scenes and so he's not getting enough criticism compared to this guy just just thought you should know here's an anecdote from behind the scenes right Mm -hmm. and it it just it kind of feels to me like with miguel in particular yeah there's like definitely fans on twitter and you know small sample size that are pointing out dude where's this guy been for two like (laughs) i know that 2020 was weird but like where have you been dude This team needs you. Like you're supposed to be a centerpiece, and you make ten million dollars. Where are you? And I almost feel like there's a protective shell around him. Like it's almost like the team. Like is there something that that the team is trying to protect with him? Or like why wouldn't the team at some point be like, "What the hell is going on with Miguel? He's (laughs) underperforming. He's not living up to the extension we gave him. Open season, criticize. Right? It almost feels the opposite with the Twins, where they're trying to. Make excuses for him or whatever, and I don't understand what that. But
0: privately, means. they have to be beyond miffed, right? Frustrated. I mean, you've you've had him lose weight, then he gains weight, then he gets hot, then he doesn't get hot. The fact that he had to go to cruise for a private tutorial to me also is a red flag of sorts. Like, why is that not the?
2: I actually, I actually like that. No, no, I no, do no, like that. But
0: I'm saying, as far as the mach- the machinations behind the scenes, like, why is that not? a coach with the Twins. I I mean, why does that have to be Cruz? Like, what's going on here? Like, I I think there is definitely more going on behind the scenes than we know. And I would be curious to know more. But do you know what all of this crystallizes, boys? This crystallizes to me one very clear thing. We used to think that the Twins' um, mistake or just flat-out dumb bleeping move with Ortiz was terrible because Ortiz turned himself into a... Hall of Fame player, and a World Series champion in Boston. The curse of Ortiz is not that. The curse of Ortiz is our inability to give up on people that we should give up on because we invoke his name constantly. Yeah. I that, that has left far more of a resounding to me um, uh, feeling around this town. Look, Ortiz left. It was a bad, terrible, one of the worst mistakes in baseball history, including Babe Ruth. But when you think about now, it's 2021. That move was 2003. Is that right, Phil? When you think, okay, when you think about 18 years later, the worst part is not the fact that he went to the Red Sox and had great success. The worst part is to this day, anybody who shows potential, we always say, what if he's the next Ortiz? Ortiz. Instead of saying the the rational thing, which is, I don't think this is going to, well, or at at the end, I don't think it's going to work. Right. Too bad.
2: Yeah, and you know, Ortiz is such a special example too because they get they. He was pretty darn good with the twins. He just had some health. He had a wrist injury or something at one point, and then they just like they were so cash strapped, even compared to now. Right? They were. It was before Target Field, and so they just let him walk. Babe Ruth garnered a one hundred thousand dollar or so, whatever it was. I think it was a six figure payment from. The Yankees in the early nineteen twenties, Ortiz, who is the modern day Babe Ruth, basically, right? Playoff hero, home run champion, <laughs> yeah, in some way, yeah. Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um is uh I mean he the, the twins got nothing for him. So yeah, it's your your point on that is hundred percent correct in that we do have a fear of well, what if he leaves us? Well, I just don't think I don't think uh, we're talking about the same type of dude, Ortiz and Sano. Constant different type different trepidation type personalities.
0: Constant mm-hmm. Trepidation and fear. Oh my God, he might yep. be. If, if he leaves, he's going to turn into um, a Hall of Fame player. You know
2: what? In the case of Sano, I can guarantee you he won't. Yep. So uh, by the way, talking twins all season. It's been mostly depressing because they keep losing games. But uh, presented by our friends at Dennis Kirk. Dennis Kirk. It's riding season. If you ride a Harley, it doesn't matter what you ride, Metro Cruiser, Indian Sport Bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. One hundred sixty thousand parts and accessories in stock clothing and helmets as well if you just want to ride and get as far away from this underachieving twins team as possible well dennis kirk will hook you up with all kinds of parts accessories order by 8 p.m they ship the same day and shipping is free for orders over 89 dollars. when the open road calls head to dennis com. all right boys every single thursday declan digs through a decade plus of Twitter archives, mm-hmm. old tweets exposed here. What do you got this week, Declan?
1: Oh, we got a got a good collection. Actually, we have a couple uh, Zolgad tweets that that correlate with one another. So, Judd, I, I have to expose you twice. Um, I also ended up I saw I have a Facebook status today that I, that was tweeted out or posted, I should say, nine years ago that I saw at the last minute that I will also be bringing to the table. Nice. But we'll start with Judd. A overall NHL observation. From mm-hmm. Mr. Judd Zolgad on April thirtieth, twenty sixteen, observation from my bar stool <laughs> at Bunnies. the Maple Leaves will be oh, the God. NHL's version of the Cubs ah. in two years. A good teardown. Now, oh, some no. of that teardown happened to a degree, and they built it back up. Yep. They've had insanely good teams, and they're basically have become the Minnesota Twins <laughs> of the NHL. They they can't they haven't won a playoff series since two thousand three. They choke away leads. They're uh sort yeah. of the Vikings they're just wow. minnesota sports of canada yeah that's fair yep
2: that's fair No, you got me yeah it's amazing that's pretty good that's a pretty good leader in the club off there. So i was gonna say i got bad news and for I, and, myself
1: and i am sorry then you then you then you doubled down uh a year later on oh, april 23rd no, 2017 the maple Leafs haven't won a cup since 67 but won't be a surprise if that oh, drought boy. ends soon <laughs> now i really have a good lead reminds me of what the cubs have done it did at the time, but I didn't remember. And
0: clearly I was too drunk at Bunnies in 2016 oh by 2017 Ooh. to recall. Okay, I lead. I lead for sure. Same day. Like, I'm not going to. I own this. Okay.
1: Okay. All right. Well, here we, uh, we have beat writer Phil here from September 18th, 2010. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jason Repco has a laser.
2: So he literally okay. had one? Okay. Like a lightsaber? So, let me explain. R2-D2? Okay, this is two- no, no, 2010. No. This is September 18th of 2010. So, <laughs> Twins were on the verge of clin- clinching a division. They're coming up on 90 wins. Oh. Repco was a fourth fill-in outfielder. The vibes were good and positive with the 2010 Twins. <laughs> so, this is just me feeling those Phil's good, positive dancing. vibes. Yep. Dance, Phil, oh, dance. Man. Wow. I mean, he did have a pretty good arm, and nobody disputed his defensive abilities, so... I still think Judge the leader in the clubhouse here, but that's I'll, I'll just invoking the name Jason Repko. Oh, right, exactly.
0: Shape. Jason Repko and Laser being in the Oof. same tweet.
1: Get ready for the Laser Show. <laughs> All right, this is uh, nice. this is kind of go inside with Phil on June third, twenty twelve. Oh. I put a Facebook status it just said Scott period Diamond period. <laughs>
2: So okay, I okay, you must got, have shoved that a, day. Dude, that's a, mi- a, mic, a mic drop. A mic drop this is a guy. close race he, now.
1: Uh, he must have shoved that day. I don't know what he did on on June third, twenty twelve, but he oh. must have did eight innings of you know ten hit one run baseball. Dude, I'm sure. I rem-
2: I think I remember honestly because I covered that beat too. There was a there was a day game in the summertime in which I think he threw a complete game, maybe shut out. Let me look it up real quick. Okay? Okay,
1: Ju- June third, twenty twelve. So he must have have did something good, and he was, what, 2012 was the year of Scott Diamond. That was what he, I think he won Pitcher of the oh Year gosh. the Diamond Awards and was pretty dang good. The periods. Yes.
0: The periods. That really, makes the, that really makes the status. Doubling down.
2: Okay. Okay. Um, I was close. He did, by the way, okay, the start I was thinking about was on July 27th. He did throw a nine-inning complete game shutout in an 11 nothing win over Cleveland. 98 pitches. But the start that you're referring to happened on June 3rd. It was against Cleveland, and it was seven innings, zero earned runs, three runs, but seven uh, innings, no earned runs, no walks, a couple of strikeouts, <laughs> and the and the Twins Two won that out. game six to three, and Diamond lowered his ERA on the season to 1.86. So Scott it's probably Diamond. Scott.
1: Scott. Diamond. Diamond. <laughs> Baby. Scott Diamond.
2: I got to say, I honestly, this is such a close race. I think the periods at the end of oh, Scott and Diamond God. might give Declan the victory here. It's so
0: uh it's basically exclamation points. Yeah. Like it is Scott <laughs> Diamond.
2: Diamond. it's like it's as I if mean I been will, an established pitcher and you're just like, yeah. I understand if I did. win,
0: but yeah, that is awesome. That was a gr- th- that was a great race. There it
2: is. That's like uh, a right. pennant race Old- right there tweets exposed here good job Mackey and Judd uh, also presented by our friends at PXG so I gotta I gotta imagine our friend Scott Diamond probably has a lot of extra time (laughs) to golf these days his last major league appearance came about five or six years ago somewhere in there so we'd recommend those PXG Gen 4 clubs which are the best performing clubs PXG has ever made you can stop by PXG Minneapolis and Southdale Center check them out check out the spring and summer apparel that has arrived in store And find out more at pxg.com slash Minneapolis. So tomorrow on the show, uh, we're going to do a couple fun things. Under Siege, Action Movie Rewind, Mm. a Steven Seagal classic, Mm -hmm. a Mount Rushmore of Steven Seagal movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, the two wrestling nerds in the house here, Declan and I, are going to talk to Natalia, WWE superstar and maybe even future Hall of Famer Natalia on the show. So uh, a lot of fun stuff tomorrow. And that's a a wrap on this therapeutic episode of Mackie and Judd. Don't forget, we have daily Vikings conversations on Purple Daily, and we have a brand new Scornorth app with all kinds of new features on it, which we'll talk more about. But if you don't already have the Scornorth app, check it out, download it. I like it a lot. It's even Judd approved. Just go check it out. Old man approved. Yep. See you guys. Hey, kids, how's the water? It's
1: full of weeds. I can't move. Uh, Your arms are free, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wave them around. It's fun. Are you kidding me? This can't be happening. This is Jamie from the Aquaside Company. Clear your water completely. Destroy weeds, algae, and the muck that's preventing you from enjoying your waterfront property. We know your time in the water is precious. We're the Aquaside Company. Call 800-328-9350 or visit Aquaside.com. State permit may be required. 8 billion miles driven by Leaf owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late
3: fall. Subject to change.